This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Well, good Thursday morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Lisa Graham coming to you from a very chilly Watsika, Illinois. And you are listening to a special Draft Horse episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network, presented by the Draft Horse Journal for January 4th, 2018. Episode number 1845. This episode is brought to you by the 2018 World Clydesdale Show. Good morning and Happy New Year, Heavy Horse World. Good morning. Wow, that's a pretty big butt. As I promised, we are going to have a class that is second to none. We are going to be bringing in the Clydesdales, the Belgians, and the Pertrans in the arena. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. You know, you said chilly where you are. Well, in Illinois, well, it's even chilly. It was 21 degrees here in Ocala this morning. That's like minus well, 1,000 for everybody else. To be 20. <laughs> Just try. <laughs> yeah, try to, try to match negative 24, 25. That's what we've kind of had for almost a week now. I'm surprised your internet's even working, to be honest. <laughs> it's just like. That's <laughs> what I so told you. This morning, I think everybody else is staying warm in bed, not on the internet. So maybe, maybe we'll hold we'll hold true for the show today. Well, let's hope. Let's hope your internet hangs in. It's sketchy on a good day, let alone a. Mi- what is the temperature today? You're <laughs> little. You're a little warmer, right? Um, right, <laughs> right now, it's like eight degrees oh, actual yeah. temp. But you know, like I said, the last few days it's been negative anywhere from negative ten to negative twenty five was our coldest a couple nights ago well, you'll be out in shorts today so but i have to tell you <laughs> i have to tell you i was talking to my buddy rob up in saskatchewan this week and he laughed at me and he said tonight we're supposed to hit negative 50 what? 50 below zero they were going to hit in saskatchewan what uh, yeah he said not he said not it's not it's not fair out there for man or beast and i thought my vehicle wouldn't even start Start at fifty below. No. no, nothing starts at fifty below. Do they bring the horses in the house and just bring them in? Oh, oh. I, I said the exact same thing to him. I said, "How do you prepare?" And he said, "Just have lots of food and water in front of them, and you know that's what they're built for. They'll survive." But now how many do you yeah, have at the farm 50, there? Right so now? I'm not gonna. Uh, I think we have eighteen running around right now. So. We have a the biggest issue, of course, is the water. We don't have automatic waters or anything, but um, the tank heaters. Day one, one of the horses unplugged the tank heater, so go oh, out in the afternoon and it's frozen. That takes a little bit to get it going again. But in the barn, you just have to keep fresh water in front of them, and and sometimes by the time you get, I think we have eight in the barn. By the time you get the first few buckets thawed and filled, by the time you get through all of them, they're the first ones are froze again, so it's, it's kind of a cycle, <laughs> but, you know. What, do you I get up in the middle of the night just to go out and give them water? Because it's going to be frozen by then. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. You, yeah, you have to. But, you know, I'm not facing negative 50, so I'm I'm not going to complain. 
Now, are these big guys? Are they all? Do they are they shaved? Or are they? Do they have hair? What's the story? Well, the ones outside, you know, I guess we're the big ones that we don't believe in the blankets outside. I mean, that's nature takes over. Yeah. They have hair. They have plenty of hair. Those horses outside, and they're young horses, uh, you know, that are are just out to pasture. But the horses in the barn are blanketed, and we found some some good blankets at. You know, our great sponsorship, Shawana Harness, sells a great blanket. What and, size are they, 87s, the, 84s, 87s? Well, no, for Christmas, Austin got um, three new blankets. I know that's a heck of a Christmas gift, but he got 95s and 100s. What? So, what? Do they even yeah, make? I, mean, I didn't even know they made 95s and 100s. Yeah, and everybody makes their blankets different sizes. I mean, you know, I know Wayne's got some from, from Canada, and they measure different. Right. So. I don't know. I kind of grew up with the 95s and the 100s and the 102s. So, yeah, that's what, that's what we ordered for Christmas. <laughs> All the pony people. My, my pony wears a 62. So that'll give you an idea. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mine's easier but to put was, on, by the way. I was just one. Uh, oh, gosh, no. <laughs> Ours takes up a tote by itself. If you storm in a tote, you get one per tote. <laughs> I didn't even think about that and, storing them. They're huge. And and you know what the worst part is is when the laundromat sees you sneak in with a tote <laughs> at the end of the season when you're going to wash them at the laundry. What do you fit one mat? per washing machine? Because that's all it would fit in there for sure. Yeah, yeah. one one per washing machine. Yeah. Oh my god, that's some big blankets. They're heavy too. Yeah. Well, of course, got to keep them big guys warm. Oh my gosh. So I was I was just laughing when I was reading this. It says you know we're we're into. 18 already and this is the year that we've all been waiting for 2018 is going to bring two world shows together in the same month and i'm thinking about the exhibitors and the staffs that are working these by the time november comes around we are all going to be exhausted because putting on a world show is just a monumental task but to have two of them that are just days apart it is just it's just going to be absolutely crazy so this is the year we've been waiting for after seeing the last one, <clears throat> you know, the World Pertron Congress that I saw, just a number of moving parts, and I don't mean the horses, I mean just organizing the event uh, is just incredible because, you know, when you're organizing an event for like dressage, you know, you got uh, a competitor and usually maybe one or two horses, but here you've got competitors with multiple horses, and it just it just exaggerates everything. Um, it does. Yeah. You know, they, they pull in with, you know, most of them will pull in with two semis. Um, and, and, of course, you have to have a lot of workers. I mean, if you're bringing the six or an eight-horse hitch, you you want one person per horse, basically, with you. If I mean, if you're lucky, you're going to have one person per horse. And let's all hope that October is a very calm, balmy, nice, <laughs> cool month. Because I tell you, if we had an unexpected snowstorm or something, we're all going to be in trouble. <laughs> It is quite a feat, you know, people who people who transport, like Jennifer, who does fox hunting and takes her one horse to the fox hunt, it's so many things you have to think about when you're transporting a hitch. And it's the same for the four-in-hand drivers who do CDEs and have to travel overseas, because if you're driving a four in competition, you actually need six horses. So, you know, you're actually bringing six horses, five or six horses with you. So it's just, just the logistics alone. Well, and I'm thinking about the dedication of our draft horse exhibitors right now because there's 
two big shows that start next week in Colorado. And I know we have a lot of exhibitors from the Midwest that are making that trek out to Denver. And I've done that in a truck and trailer. And there is nothing as unquestionable as the roads through Nebraska, through Iowa in the middle of January. It's, you know, it's always a big risk. And I know our guests from a few episodes ago, White Mountain Pertrans from uh, New Hampshire, they're, they're going to make the trip to Denver. Uh, Burger Barn, the Clydesdales from Canada, they're going to be going clear across the country to show at the stock show in Denver. Dean and Kelly Woodbury are taking the Blue Ribbon Days. Mares, they're they're based in Indiana. They're going to make that trek. So there is Ugh. a lot of dedication. Um, you You just... Hope for good weather. You know, they all travel prepared. They all travel with lots of feed, you know, water buckets. You could always find water if you, you if you got stuck along the road. But going across Nebraska in a blizzard with a semi load of horses is probably one of the scariest things you can you can go through. And the wind there, because it's so open and the plane, it's just wind. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. Now, are those big trailers yeah. with the semis, are they heated at all? No. No? Okay. No. But when you have that many horses in a 50-foot span, they're generating enough heat that it's probably warmer in there than it is in the cab of the truck. Right, because, right. You know, yeah. they, they, they do put off a lot of body heat, and, and they are part of, part of the way that you want to truck these horses. A lot of people probably think giving them a lot of room to move around is best, but that's actually not the case. You want them standing you know, with enough room where they can move comfortably, but you don't want them moving around. They're they're in that trailer. They're they're packed in there for their safety, where they have their own stall to stand in. And like I said, when you get six or eight horses in a trailer and they're generating that heat, it, they're warm. There's there's no doubt about it. Well, and you're speaking of weather. You're leaving tomorrow for one of the most weather prone shows in America. And that is the 102nd Pennsylvania Farm Show in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Of course, Jennifer and I grew up there. We went to the farm show many, many, many times, even did field trips from high school or from school to the farm <laughs> show, as you know, because oh, there's millions of kids that descend on the place. Uh, this is the biggest indoor show, I think, in the country. It's just enormous. And it, there's six thousand animals going to be there this year between the horses the goats the sheep the cattle the pigs the piglets the alpacas and the chickens i don't know if they have chickens anymore um but uh they just it just is you go there you you will never see that many animals at a show anywhere else it is huge they get what like a hundred thousand people a day it's just craziness it is it is actually one of the biggest crowds that i have a chance to work in front of. And actually, I'm leaving an hour after our show gets done today oh, wow. because it starts in the morning. So as soon as we're done with the show, I I head to O'Hare, my favorite airport, and, <laughs> and head out to Harrisburg. But like you said, 100,000 people is a slow day. And they come for the animals. They come for the food. I've never seen a bigger food court where the lines... You know, they have, I, I'm sure you remember, they have yes. these little donuts that are Little donuts, the potatoes are popular, the milkshakes are popular. Uh, those are the three things I was going to say, and there will be a line of 200 people to each of those from the minute the gates open. People will come in the doors when it opens and immediately go get in line to get their food. And I always laugh, too, they, they give away a lot of peacock feathers, so every kid in that place, 50,000 kids walking around with a 
peacock feather. <laughs> and they've been doing, since, but, since I can remember, they've been doing the butter sculpture. They take like a million pounds of butter and they sculpt it into mm-hmm. something that's like life-size. And I don't know what the butter sculpture is this year. I haven't yep. seen, but uh, that's always very popular. No. People want to see the butter sculpture every year. Yeah. yeah. And one thing that is unique about it is, is all the exhibitors that are there have to be from Pennsylvania. Right. So it is supporting the Pennsylvania Farm Show. And I said to them once, couldn't you do this in a warmer month? And they told me that the history is because in the days that the farm implement dealers were coming into, you know, they were going transitioning from horses into tractors. January was when farmers had the most money because they'd sold their crops in the fall and they were preparing for the the spring crops. So January was a time when all the implement dealers busted out their new equipment. And it was a time when farmers weren't as busy. They weren't in the fields. This was a family outing and they would, you know, load the whole family up and go go look at all of the new equipment that well, was being sense. offered. Well, it makes sense. You would shop in the off-season, right? Right? That, it would right. Make sense. Do you know why? I've been going probably 50. 50- years and i i've i would say out of those 10 of them i've either been snowed in or snowed out yeah it's always icy and snowy and miserable weather <laughs> that's how you know the farm shows here it's miserable weather we i once on an airplane ride sat beside the guy who does the potatoes does the baked potatoes so owns that concession that's his one thing he does a year they grow the potatoes on their farm and they do the farm show and they make a living off of that one show a year they sell that many potatoes wow. <clears throat> there's eighteen thousand gallons of ice cream that are uh, that are consumed during the show in just the milkshakes. Um, if you yeah. do the math, that's an average herd of 80 cows takes them 25 days to produce enough milk to fill the milkshake cups. So there you go. God. <laughs> well, and you know, we, we, our focus should be on the draft horse. Because <clears throat> yeah, they, I'm sorry. I, we, but you have show, to talk like about I food said, when you talk about PA Farm Show. It's just required. Yeah. But they, they, like I said, they're just Pennsylvania exhibitors, and it really does showcase how great of horses we have in the state of Pennsylvania from the halter classes and they hook the six horse hitch. They have some fun classes. Um, they have some driving competitions, uh, antique pulling machinery and antique vehicles. They have pulls. Um, they have a rodeo. It, it really is a neat thing. And I'm glad to be a part of it. And like I said, I'll be flying out there this afternoon and knock on wood that the weather well, so if you're going over there, I know we have a lot of listeners in the earth. If you're going over there, you'll hear Lisa if you go into one of the draft horse things. Yep. You're going to hear Lisa yep. on there. Come and see me. You can go wave to her and Come say, and I listen. That's right. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a great thing. But we have a we have a great show today. I'm looking over our notes and I'm thinking, how, do, how does our producer, Lynn, keep coming up with these good shows? But hats off off to Lynn. He's given us another good show. And um, just one quick thing I wanted to mention. I was looking back through our production notes. And a year ago, our guests were Pam Minnick and Brad Messersmith. We saw Pam doing the parade once again for RFD TV, the Rose Bowl parade. But we lost our good friend Brad in December. And he was one of the true nicest people in our industry so we send our sympathies to his wife cindy and all of his family and just say what a difference in this draft horse world that brad made so condolences to cindy 
Well, let's talk a little bit about Gordyville, and then we'll get to our first guest. Kevin is coming up here, uh, the two th- and then later on in the show, we're going to be talking a little bit about a breed, kind of taking a look at a particular breed of draft horse, the American Suffolk. We'll be doing that a little bit later in the show. I always like doing the breed uh, highlights. But the uh, Gordyville sale is coming up, the 2018 Mid-America Draft Horse Sale, held February 20th through the 23rd, has established a well-earned reputation as North America's premier marketplace for Belgians and Percherons. Why? Because it's where records are broken and the bar gets raised. The Top Shelf event is held at Gordyville USA Auction Center, just one mile west of Guilford, uh, Gifford, Illinois, on Highway 136, right down the street from Lisa's house. Hence the nickname Gordyville Sale. Next month event is the 23rd of uh, this kind. And let me tell you a little bit about, and Lisa, you've been there for some of these. It's some, where some of the highest selling of the draft horses have been sold. Let's try a Percheron mare for $89,000, a Percheron gelding for $67,000, a Belgian gelding, $41,000, and the highest-selling Belgian stallion, $112,000. And that stands as the all-time most expensive draft horse on the planet. Look it up in the Guinness World Book of Records. If you don't believe us, you'll find it in there. The average selling price for the entire consignment last year, this is average per horse, was $9,100. And 69 sold for ten grand or more. This is a big sale. If draft horses are in your blood, Gordyville makes the bucket list. you got to get there in February. It's must-see. The number of consignments is up this year. It includes extreme exciting individuals, both Percherons and Belgians. For lodging information, a schedule, or to see details on this year's consignments, you can follow them on Facebook at Mid-America Draft Horse Sale. You can pour over the ads in every issue of the Draft Horse Journal or give Vernon Yoder a call at 217-268-3444. That's Mid-America Draft Horse Sale on Facebook. Stop over there and your guest is ready. Well, our first guest of the day, always excited to have our first guest step up. And we talk about being chilly in Illinois. Well, we are going up to Canada. We are going into Ontario to talk with Kevin Wilson. He is joining us from Van Vleek Hill, Ontario. He is one of those up and coming in our draft horse industries that plays a vital role that we know is going to be in it for the long haul. He and his family run a very sizable farming operation in the East. In Canada, and the business deals in grain, cattle, and horses. And to be excited, he is a third generation of his family to be involved with the heavy horses. He and his wife Maria have their own Pertrin gelding six horse hitch. He does a lot of judging, have a great opportunity to see Kevin all across North America judging. He is a chairman of his local horse show. And as I said, he truly is one of our industry's up and coming draft horse people. So good morning, Kevin. Well, that was everything today. It's chilly here, so I guess that's the topic today. We we need to hear how cold it is in Van Vleek, Ontario. Well, I put the speedo away last week. I didn't need it anymore. <laughs> it's uh, about <laughs> minus 35 up here today. There you go, Glenn. Oh, minus there you 35. go. I'll take our 21 here in Florida. Thank you very much. <laughs> wow. Goodness yeah. sake. Well, well, Kevin, we we have a chance to see you at a lot of the shows, but I want to start with talking about your family's history with the horses and and where it began. I know you and your father are very actively involved, but how did the draft horses become a part of the Wilson family? Um, It started back actually with my great grandfather. 
um, he, uh, he was a carpenter by trade and, and, uh, when he was growing up, the source of power on the farm was draft horses. So he, uh, he bought and sold and trained and, and dealt a lot of horses and that passed down to my grandfather. And my grandfather, I guess, is the one that kind of really instilled a lot of the draft horse, uh, in our blood. He, uh, he had a urine line in the East here for probably 30 years. Um, he had upwards of 300 mares and, uh, he, uh, he had a lot of subcontractors on with him. Uh, he was, uh, probably the, one of the largest subcontractors for the company that was buying the, the product at that time. Um, and my grandfather was, everyone says he was very similar to myself. He was a you know, kind of a wheeler dealer. He bought and sold and traded and trained and he, uh, kind of enjoyed the draft horses the same way we did. So my dad grew up, um, with that, we were getting carloads of horses out of Western Canada and, uh, matching them up and selling them and, uh, and, uh, raising foals is what they spent their time doing. And then when the urine lines left, uh, Eastern Canada, they switched over to feeding beef cattle and crop farming and, uh, but my grandfather always kept about 15 or 20 head of Pertrin broodmares around. And he kept raising foals and playing around and he, uh, he, he leased some good studs from, uh, at that time it'd be, uh, the Brown family through Ken Allen. Uh, he leased them through Ken, but, uh, the Valley View gambler horse and, uh, Valley View Mason and some of the older, uh, more prolific bloodlines in Eastern Canada, Western Canada, that my grandfather had here. So he kind of started raising, foals off of that line and I grew up uh, playing with those mares training them and uh, it was kind of the thing that my grandfather and I always did together we hooked horses or break colts or kind of just that's where I I guess developed the the passion for it was through him and through my dad um, Kevin he, I got stuck my... Kevin I got stuck at 300 uh, mares I got stuck at 300 300- <laughs> mares in one place that's where i got stuck and went oh my god that's a lot of horses it's a lot of draft horses in one spot (laughs) holy smokes yeah he had uh, had three three barns of them wow well it sounds like you know there's there's there is a lot of history with the draft horses but was your grandfather and your great-grandfather into showing i know that area where where Mm -hmm. you grew up is very prolific for for showing and and you're not that far from the Royal Winter Fair in Toronto and so is that a part of their program or is it more been um, you and your father that no. have taken on the showing? Uh, I'd say my grandfather was part of it. My grandfather was a uh, enjoyed horse pulls. He participated in a lot of competitions. Um, he organized quite a few of them in the town here um, back back when horses were more more prominent on the average farm um but my grandfather always had with the amount of abundance of horses he had he always would have people come and lease a horse or lease a team or borrow or whatever you'd call it take and train them and show them um that would actually participate in the shows so my my grandmother and my grandfather were were active in it but not themselves um until i came along and we started showing for ourselves in 1999 um, we started showing a team of mares and which eventually led to a four of mares, which eventually led to a six horse hitch and, and kind of developed that way. That'd be, my grandfather was part of that. Um, but in his day when he was running the business, showing wasn't a focal point of, of his, of his day-to-day operations. He enjoyed it 
but he was more of a horse puller and, uh, and he would go and, and partake in some of the shows, just watching his horses compete when, in other people's outfits. I see. So I know that the grain industry is, is big. That is how you make your living. And when we talk about your farming and your grain, what kind of acreage or what kind of crops are you working with on a, on a day-to-day um, basis? We ourselves, we, we manage about 5,500 acres. Um, a majority of that is owned. Some of it's rented. Um, we also have quite a bit of cattle. Um, so we have a pretty sizable chunk of pasture land that we, uh, we lease uh, just for grazing cow-calf pairs. Um, we'll grow corn, soybeans, oats, uh, a little bit of wheat, some rye, um, a lot of forages. Um, and we have the grain elevator business will deal in uh, mostly corn, soybeans, and wheat. Um, that's kind of prominent crops that are grown in this area. Um, so that's, that's, where, that's, where, where, that's where our business is derived from. Well, I can kind of see that the crop season sometimes overlaps with the show season. So I'm sure you're going to give a lot of the kudos to your wife, Maria. So working horses when you're working in the field, but how do you manage that responsibility? You know that you have to get the crops in because that's the money, but you know, you have a show you want to go to and the horses have to be ready. And and so much more the prep to get everything ready for the horse show. Do you have hired people or or how are you handling that responsibility of trying to be in two places at once um i always my grandfather always told me that the uh, the key to life is a good woman and uh <laughs> a lot of our, a lot of our success today is uh, derived from maria's passion is just as big as mine for it um she's probably more the gas and i'm more the brake now because I have responsibilities in the office and to our customers where she kind of, Kevin, we got to get driving horses or Kevin, we got to start working on this one. Or she keeps me kind of on point where our, our free time is spent, um, mostly training horses. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a tough thing. Like we, uh, we, we employ a lot of staff at our green elevator and our farming business, but, uh, the horses is something that we do. We do as a family and we do for fun. And, uh, if it comes time to where combines have to roll and the truck's got to get moved, well, the horses, the horses get parked. Um, you know, it's, uh, we got to do, we, we've invested a lot in this business. Uh, we've got to move, move forward with that. And, uh, horses are a passion, but they, they come second to, uh, to our, to our business. Right. And you talk about family. We have to say congratulations because you and your wife, Maria, have a new daughter. Miss Oakley was just born in December, and now you are truly the minority in your house. Three girls and you. You're you're never going to win. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you keep reminding me of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. We had a had another baby girl born on the on the nineteenth of November, and uh, it's uh, probably in fifteen or twenty years. I'm going to have a lot of gray hair and a lot of sleepless nights, but. Uh, <laughs> It, uh, it'll be fun. We have, uh, there every, every morning it's a, it's fun waking up to them and seeing the expressions on their face and running around. And my oldest daughter, Whitley, she, uh, she loves her nanes. So, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, I think she's going to be involved in the horses just as much as my wife and I are. So, sure. yeah. Well, I know that I, I've called on you a few times to judge some shows and, and like you said, you have to decline because 
your commitment is at home with with the farm. But in my show notes, we were talking about the National Pertrin Show, which is the pinnacle, which is the highlight of the year for the Pertrin exhibitors. But actually, Wilson Farms never gets to come to our national show because you are very involved with your local show. So tell us a little bit. I know that you're chairman of your local horse show. It's the same time every year as our National Pertrin Show. But I think in your heart, you know, it is the best to always stay at home and support your local show. So tell us a little bit about your involvement with that local show. Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm co-chair, I guess is what you'd say. There's another, uh, Jeff Leroy, um, as a long time, his family's a long time Bertrand breeder. He's actually the head, head honcho on it. I just kind of his assistant, I guess is what you'd say. Um, yeah, I mean, we've been to the national show when it was in Indiana I mean, twice, um, we had some success there and it's a great show. It's well organized. Um, I wish hope to go back someday, but Indiana always lined up that we could travel for a day and a, a day and be home for a day. And then we could attend our hometown show. And we kind of, I kind of like to support it. I mean, it's where we do our business. Um, it's kind of a coming home event. A lot of the people, a lot of the customers in the area that we deal with, they come in and drop grain and uh, some of them will go into the horse barn and pet the horses while they're waiting to get unloaded. Um, but the fair is a, a chance where we can showcase what we have and, and people get to see the wagon and, and come over and actually see the horses and stand beside them and pet them. And it's a, it's a, it's kind of a, it's a special thing. Like it's a, again, yeah, you'd really like to go down and, and, and show at the national show, but um, Vankley Kill is where we do business. Vankley Kill is where our family is and our friends are, and um, I think it's uh, very important to to keep that show. My mom and dad sponsor a couple of the show uh, classes at it, um, and uh, we've actually we've got it to be a North American Classic Series six horse hit show. And since since we've become involved in it, we've managed to get about eight to twelve to 14 six horse hitches competing at it every year. Um, the board, we put up a new barn a couple of years ago. And ever since that, we've had, uh, we get a lot of hitches out of Quebec and a lot of hitches from Eastern Ontario that come and support us. And, uh, there's an, it's an outside venue with a big old grandstand and we'll get probably three, three to 4,000 people sitting around the outside watching the horse show on a Saturday afternoon. It's, uh, it's something quite special to us. Yeah, it sounds like a sounds like a perfect day. But okay, we're gonna switch gears into the bigger shows. When I was trying to, to do our uh, profile pictures, and I was looking through pictures of you and your family and the horses, one show stands out that you have captured a lot of pictures of, and I'm sure is one of the pinnacles wins ever for you. It was at the Royal Winter Fair in Toronto. Tell us a little bit about that year and how you captured the first place award in the Six Horse Hitch competition. Um, it was, a. Uh, it was probably everyone in, in this part of the world always talks about the Royal and it's, it's my favorite show hands down. I mean, it's got a great schedule. It's got a first class facility. I mean, it's, uh, it's just, there's something about driving down that chute going into the ring at the Royal that mm-hmm. just makes the hair stand up on the back of your neck. It's a, it's a good venue. Um, 2013 was the last year, um, that we were able to attend just as our our business really started to grow from 13 into 14 and into 15 and our commitments at home, uh, took, took precedent. Um, but yeah, that was 2013 was, uh, we had a young group of geldings. 
we were building, getting ready to uh, to attend the World Perching Congress in uh, East Springfield, Mass. The next year, um, we went to Indiana that year, and uh, we were dead last in the six horse hitch. We had uh, <laughs> a long trip and had a couple issues with a couple sick horses, but anyway, we come home from that and. We attended a couple other shows that year. We were second in the Open Six at New York State Fair that year at a 19 or 18 entries, and we were we were just focusing on getting ready for the World Show, and it's it was in a it's an it's an expensive commitment to enter the Royal, and we were I was at home loading beans. We hadn't we hadn't sent the entries in yet, and I just said, you know what? It's the same judge that judges at Indiana, and we had a, not a real good go, and I just don't know if it's worth spending that money to to go to the show and. I always thought that, you know, we travel for, it's like it's 16 hours for us to go to Indiana. Uh, right. So I said, well, it's, it's nice to see some of our other exhibitors have them put the trip underneath them for us. It's five hours to the Royal. So I decided, you know what, the hell that we're going to, we're going to enter and we're going to go and we're going to be probably our last hurrah because I knew we were going to start to get busy and it was a late harvest that year. So we did. And, and we had a, we had a tremendous show. We won the Pertrin six that night. Um, Craig Grange was a judge um, all like all Ames construction was there. Shining stars were there. All stars were there. All the major riches out of the U S were there with the exception of a few. Um, and it was, uh, we had second in the four, we were second in the team. We had a, just a, it was probably the best show of the year that we had that year. And it, it's nice that it's always, you can go out in the end and, and, uh, and have a good show on your last show. I think in the open six, we ended up third, um, all-star was ahead of us in uh, Gunville, I believe. Um, so, I mean, no, it was, it's, it was something, it was a very special moment for me and my family and my grandfather growing up always talked about the champions at the Royal and some of the hitches out of Eastern Canada that went Keith and Joy Drennan and Lewis Moriarty and all those people that went and had some success there, Ken Allen. And it was nice to kind of put our name up in that group of people, you know, for a family out of Eastern Ontario to, have some success there. It was, it was special. I got a picture in my office of that night taken by Howard Schatzberg. And it's a, it's something I look at every day and you just kind of look back and remember the good times. Yes. Like I said, there's, if you, if you go on our Facebook, you can see some of those pictures. I, I tried to pull some of those out because it was such a, was a special night. I mean, I, I can just see you and, and Maria beaming, but you did touch on a, on something that I want to talk about was you said at a lot of these shows that some of the more commercial hitches that have full-time employees that are, are promotional hitches. But as we've talked about with you and, and your wife and your family, you train, you drive, you do everything on your own as a family. What would you say are the advantages or maybe the disadvantages of an owner operator business family like yourself versus one of the commercial hitches? Ah, I mean, it's, uh, I've never worked for an outfit showing horses. I mean, I've helped other hitches and that and gone to shows with other people and always family type people. And I just, at the end of the day to work for yourself, you only have yourself to please. Um, you know, I know tomorrow morning there's going to be eight gillings out in the field that are going to want me to feed them and, and, uh, take care of them. And cause, uh, it's just a, a commitment I've made to them. And, and, uh, at the end of the day, they know that I'm going to be there and it's, it's kind of nice not to, uh, kind of nice just to have that peace of mind. You know, there's, I'm not going to get a knock at the door tomorrow and somebody tell me that, um, you know, you're, you don't have a position here anymore. 
unless my dad gets really mad at me or something. <laughs> but, uh, no, <laughs> that's it, not it's, it's, it's happening. Uh, yeah, I don't. No, I don't think so. It's uh, it's just it's just it's nice because at the end of the day, I mean. Uh, to do this and have some success at it and, and be a small family operation. It's fun competing against it. You know, I mean, we need the commercial hitches. We need the family hitches. It's not less entries we need in the show. It's more. And, uh, I think it's, uh, it's just something special, you know, like we deal a lot of horses, we sell a lot of horses and it's nice uh, that, you know, tomorrow if I get an offer on one horse, and yeah, you know what, there's some, I think it's a good home for him or he's going to be a good fit in that guy's outfit we can sell them and, and uh, look for the other one. You know, I don't have to, I don't have to talk to anybody or get approval or whatever. We can, uh, I can make that deal and then search out the next prospect, you know, which is kind of what I like doing, you know? Right. Right. Well, you, you do talk about finding those diamonds in the rough and, and that is an advantage that you have. You have lots of contacts all over and you have an eye to go see a horse that, isn't fitted it might be out in the pasture but you have the eye to go out and say hey i think this is going to be a horse that would work for me or work for this hitch or would be a great halter horse how do you how do you find those is it i mean i i know you're my son and and you have talked many times and you said oh i just saw this at a neighbor or i saw this somewhere how hard is it getting to find those diamond in the roughs right now it's it's tough. It's, it's very tough. Um, I mean, we're fortunate enough. We have a lot of horses pass through our hands at a young age that we can see, you can sift out some potential at a young age through them. Um, it's, uh, I, I guess you could say it's easier than it used to be with the smartphone. Um, and the internet today, like, like I talked to Austin, I think the last time we talked was probably back in November. I mean, everybody knows where some of the good ones are in the area. So, I mean, people talk and it's, uh, it's getting easier to get to the location where they are, but to, to find that, that gelding, that's, you know, I have one in the, the lead that we're using right now. We've had a lot of success with it. He come off of a plow in, uh, in Ohio. And, uh, I mean, to find those type of geldings now, it's getting tougher and tougher. So it's, uh, it's kind of a, it's it's a rarity. There's no doubt about it. Um, it's uh, and it's a it's not everybody can do it. I mean, a lot of people need to see them fitted and drained, drove for a month or whatever. But uh, we've had we've had some pretty good luck. Um, and do, does one stand out in your mind? Uh, I got a tie for three. As, as I oh, was thinking let's about hear, this, this last is couple exciting. days. Yeah. Um, I have a I had a gray stud colt come through here last year that you could tell was pretty serious. Like he was he had all the right parts. He had bone, he had foot, he had front end, and he had flex. Anyway, we kept him aside. Um ended up Gordy Rizika from Viking Alberta bought him. So he's he's gonna be a coming two year old. And uh I think that's gonna be a horse that'll Gordy will have a lot of fun with. Uh, the next one, uh, would be a three-year-old gelding we have in the bunch now we bought last year in Gordyville named Usher. He was, uh, he was, a he was a good horse. He was a, he was a very reasonable find and he turned out to be an extreme athlete. And I'd say probably the one that had the most success in a show ring 
There's a Belgian gelding I bought at Gordyville, uh, 2014, I think it was, or yeah, 2014. Um, he was a raw, tall, long, um, three-year-old just had potential. Like he was good. They no sailed him in the ring for $3,500. I was a bidder on him and I was standing beside some pretty serious hitch drivers in the Belgian industry at that time, two of them to, to the fact. And he walked out of the ring and I followed the horse back to the stall, made a deal with the guy. I had to give him $2,000 more than what he brought in the ring, 1500 actually, which was a pretty good deal. We put him through the sale. I brought him home and Pierre Gagnon called me and was wanting a, a good one. I made a small profit on him. Um, three weeks after Pierre called me back and said, I'm never going to a sale again. I want you to buy all my horses. <laughs> I was happy. I didn't know how good the horse was. He went undefeated in the cart that year as a three-year-old. He led promotion six horse hitch, uh, sets all the shows and by year end, he ended up in the lead of Ed Perkins, uh, construction, Belgian six horse hitch out of Stowe, Massachusetts. They named the horse, uh, Pierre named him Will short for Wilson. And, uh, I think today he still takes a position in the right lead of Eddie Perkins' six horse hitch. He was, he was one of those gellings where you knew there was a future and, uh, I'm glad to see Pierre had a lot of success with him and I'm glad to see Ed had a lot of success with him has and still will have. Um, so yeah, I sounds like a Cinderella story. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was a good horse. Well, good. And you, you've touched on a few things that we've talked about earlier in the show is Gordyville, your opinion of Gordyville. I'm sure it's just like everybody else's. It is, it is the pinnacle of our draft horse sale industry. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a first class venue to sell some horses out. There's no doubt about it. There's a lot of, uh, I shouldn't really say that. There's a lot of really good sales. Mount Hope has really come on. Um, Dover's mm -hmm. really come on. Topeka has really changed a lot, but it just seems that like there's a lot of good horse shows, but for me, the Royal is number one. So for a lot of the people that, that are in the selling horses business for show horses, they, they feel that Gordyville is the best venue to promote them at. And, uh, I mean, the record speaks for itself. Vernon's done a really good job there. And, and, uh, and had some, like you said earlier in the show, he's broke some records, set some records, and raised the bar. So, yeah, Gordyville is sure. the venue where a lot of the top horses get sold there. All right. So, I know, Glenn, we're probably running yep, out of time here. We're but plain it, run it, out of time. Yep. <laughs> well, if anyone wants to talk with Kevin about horses or more about their grain industry, you can always follow Kevin on Facebook, or you can uh, check out the Wilson Farm Grain. That's Wilson farms.ca uh, all kinds of ways to find kevin and maria but kevin it's always a pleasure to visit with you and we look forward to seeing you at some of the shows and once again congratulations on the newest addition to your family thank you very much lisa thanks have a good day thanks kevin all right happy new year thank you well, let's hear a little bit about Chipshawana, the place well, where you got those big blankets. And then we're going to come back <laughs> with a lot more here in just a minute. Chipshawana Harness and Supplies in the heart of draft horse country in Chipshawana, Indiana, is your source for everything draft horse. 
their large inventory of in-house crafted harness, halters, and show bridles, showtime blankets, sweats, wagons, and carts, horse care products, and even shoeing supplies will fill the needs of the heavy horse hobbyist, the horse farmer, the heavy horse exhibitor, and the horse pulling competitor. You can find them online at shipshawanaharness.com as well as on Facebook at Shipshawana Harness. Or you can give them a call at 260-768-7254. Just ask for Bob. Shipshawana Harness and Supplies, your source for everything draft horse. There's the Clydesdale store and more as well. That's your store. What's going on over there? Well, I just want to say a thank you. This is not, this is just an opportunity to tell all of my customers. We're just about a year and a half into the making of the Clydesdale store and more. We've added the Pertron Association, World uh, Pertron Congress merchandise, and we've had a tremendous year. When the year started, I put this huge map up in the, in the store and we we tried putting a pin in every place, every state or city that we sent an order. Well, that quickly didn't happen because we, we ran out of the time putting the pins in. But we did keep track, and we mailed product or delivered product to 42 states, six provinces, and four foreign countries. Wow. So it has exceeded my wildest dreams. I can only imagine what this year is going to be like with the World Show for the Pertrans and the World Show for the Clydesdales in addition to the nationals and all of the other shows. So I just want to say you can keep following us on Facebook at the Clydesdale store and more. You can find us online at the Clydesdale store and more.com and also at the WPC store and more.com to find all, all of your merchandise for the world Pertrin Congress, which does include the drive for the cure, the products for the drive for the cure. Every bit of the profit goes back into cancer research. It's an, it's a great look. Logo. It's a great theme, and it's a great way to su- support our Draft Horse Show and cancer research. So just not a commercial. I just want to say thank you wholeheartedly to all of our people that have supported our store. So, Well, and you're going to get to attend the World Percheron Congress. Uh, uh, that's October 8th through the 13th at the Iowa State Fairgrounds. And, uh, you know, this is a huge show. It's a worldwide celebration with breed ambassadors coming from Colombia, South America, Australia, Great Britain, Italy, Germany, as well as the breed's homeland of France. Hundreds of Percheron horses from all over North America will compete in farm classes, confirmation classes, hitch classes, riding classes, youth competitions, horse pulls, and even barrel racing. Yep, you heard that right. The Celebrity Drive-Off will have you laughing, like uh, you might have been laughing at me the last time. Uh, And the Drive for the Cure Charity Cart Class, which you just talked about, is kind of their pink event. And, and, uh, you know, of course, it benefits Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Vendors from Harness Shops, if you want to shop and you have a draft horse, this is the place to go. I kind of enjoyed that the last time. And that'll be at the Jacobson Center there. The Pertron Horse Association of America invites you and your family to become part of the largest gathering of Pertron draft horses anywhere, anytime. It's an event like you've never seen. Expect to have a great time, to be impressed and awed, and you will be, I guarantee you. For details, the complete schedule, and to buy your World Pertron Congress merchandise that Lisa just talked about, visit them at worldpertroncongress.us or on Facebook at World Pertron on Congress, or visit Lisa at the Clydesdale store and more. So that's coming up. Very exciting for the end of the year. But now we have to switch gears. We're not going to be talking about Percherons. We're going to be switching gears to a different kind of draft horse. 
We are. Our next guest, we're excited to visit with Mary Margaret Reed. She is the secretary of the American Suffolk Horse Association. It is based in Texas. And you talk about record setting. Mary Margaret has been the secretary of this association for 40 years. She is the knowledge. She is the record keeper. She is all things when it comes to representing the Suffolk breed. And it's nice to have her. I'm hoping that when we get to visit with her that she tells us it's very warm in Texas because our theme today has kind of been cold and, and frozen. And colder. But are you joining <laughs> us? Yeah, Hank, getting colder. So, Mary Margaret, welcome to our show. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. And, and, is, and is it warm, warm in Texas? Texas? Oh, <laughs> no, it's gosh, probably about it's it's warm. It's warm for you because it's only about 32 oh years. you're having we a heat wave heat wave <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> well you are you and your husband have a farm um you raise you and rodney raise suffix on their farm and you're in ledbetter texas and i think that's close to san antonio actually we're an hour from austin and about an hour and a half from houston Okay. All right. Well, it should be a lot warmer there. That's what I'm going to say. You should be in the warm zone right now. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Sorry. Right. And, and like, like I said, you and Rodney raise Suffolk draft horses, and you have about 25 head at any given time on your farm. That has to not only be a record for you to be their secretary, but for one farm to have 25 head of Suffolk, that, that has to be a record as well. It probably is. I mean, there were there were larger operations up in Canada, but um, right now that probably is. We are probably one of the largest, and right. probably well, one of the I, largest to have been in existence. <laughs> sure. Well, I want to go back to the history because, uh, you know, I I do, do so many shows, and I hardly ever get a chance to see the Suffolk show. We've we've talked to loggers out on the East Coast that use the Suffolk horses. Um, we've talked to loggers in Minnesota that use them. I, I actually did a few shows in Texas in the years past where Suffolk horses were in the draft horse classes. But for the most majority of people, they don't have a ch chance to see the Suffolk, yet alone know where they originated or what the breed is about. So I know that, that you live and breathe Suffolk horses. So take us to the beginning about the Suffolk punch, where it originated and how they are different from the other draft breeds. Well, um, the Suffolk originated in the Eastern counties of England, Suffolk and Norfolk, and it was used mainly for farm work. And the, the Suffolk is um, usually a little shorter and punchier. The, the English call it, they, they, call it like punchy because it looks like a punch bowl and um, was, and it was bred to work the field. And um, the first stud book entry in the English stud book was the late 18th century. And um, along with the American cream, other, other breeds have um, other than the American cream, the other breeds have evolved into a, a taller horse than 50 to 60 years ago. And the Suffolk has, for the most part, remained true to type. So. Okay. What is, what is the height of the of your average Suffolk horses? You know, we're talking about our hitch gelding 
suffix being 18, 19 hands, but with the suffix being bred to work the furrows and work in the fields, what what would be an average height right. for, for them? They're, the mares are like 15.3 to uh, 15.2, and, the, and there are some taller suffix. Um, some folks like them a little taller to work in the woods or, you know, on a hitch wagon, but they're usually not more than about 16, 16 one. Okay. Which is a benefit if you have people that are wanting to work with the draft horses, like you said, being on the farm or in the fields or in, in the woods, a lot easier to throw harness on a horse like that than one of our horses that we're talking 18 hands. So some benefits in addition to being smaller. We get a lot of calls from um, gentlemen that have farmed all their lives, but they're looking for a shorter horse so that the harness is easier to throw on. I get probably a call a week, somebody looking for something they can throw the harness on. (laughs) Well, I know when we were doing our research uh, for the show, when you go back to the United Kingdom, it's they actually list the, list the suffix as, as being critical. Like the numbers are not there, but there seems to be a resurgence of the suffix horses in the U.S. And is there anything that you attribute that to, or is it like we just talked about? You're getting calls for people needing an easier horse to harness and work with. Well, I don't. I don't know that. I mean, I think there is a resurgence. Um, we haven't, um, we haven't hit the numbers that we hit in the, um, late 1990s, but, um, we dropped after the, after 2002 and, um, and we're back down to, to where we were prior, excuse me, prior to 1996. So, um, I think the resurgence is coming, but we're not there yet. And, uh, how, and well, how my question, I guess would be is how, how does a reassure, how does it increase when you have such a small base? Are you bringing in new stallions to bring new bloodlines in or is it, see, I, I just didn't understand how, how it does grow or is it just because your membership is across the country and, you can trade horses and trade stallions back and forth to help with that addition to the breeding program. Well, and and we have brought in several, you know, over the years from England, but, you know, I contribute to increase into the number of breeders that are willing to get into it. Um, You know, there's a lot of owners and breeders that have, you know, mares and they take their stallion out and there's a lot of, um, people that just have a stallion and two mares, but there are more people buying more horses and there's more breeders actually putting foals on the ground. And that's, that's what I attributed the resurgence back in the, in the night in 19, late 1990s. And then it dropped off when those folks pulled out of their operations. And I see younger folks coming in now that have the determination and the um, fortitude to to go through a breeding program and stick with it for a good long while, and, and right. it's, it's, well, well, you know, you you can't have increases if you don't have bulls on the ground. 
So right, and and how your husband Rodney, and and you are the spokesman for the Suffolk horse, but how did you get involved with the breed? Were both of you in the livestock business growing up or did it just happen by accident? No. How, how did he, you actually get involved? Well, um, uh, I married a farmer. I'm a city girl. <laughs> and, um, I, he, uh, his dad bought a Suffolk at Waverly with a foal alongside um, brought it home, had trouble getting papers on it. The seller didn't have papers. It took him almost a year to get papers on the mare and the foal. And so they both joined the association at that time. And um, they had a secretary at that time, and he was efficient. But um, he he shortly after that, he um, asked to resign. He was... Um, he was a businessman and he had other business to do. And so um, they sent out a letter to all the members and wanted to um, find a secretary. And my husband and Waylon Hartcroft, um, an, an old breeder in Northern Minnesota, um, he, um, they both recommended that, you know, I was educated. I could do the job. So um, <laughs> I don't, not sure they had any other volunteers. <laughs> so, so I became um, the secretary. So that's that's how. And, for, and then after that, we, pardon. And forty years and later, that we you're went to still here. <laughs> yes, and forty years later, we picked up. We drove all the way to Utah to pick up a couple of Ironside mares, and um, we were. My husband was in the Air Force. We were stationed in Plattsburgh, New York. We picked up uh, a Colony Gordon Benacre Diamond horse up there, and that's uh, import. The Ironside mares were um, old, old, old breed of mare and wonderful, wonderful horses. But um, so that's that's kind of how we got started. And um, so I, I come from a service-oriented family, and um, I'm considered a type A or OCD or whatever <laughs> you want to call it. So I made <laughs> I made a, I made a, a good choice. They made a good choice. And, um, this was, so anyway, that's, that's how we got started and it's just well, blossomed. <laughs> now I, I, your association for the suffix and your prime goal, I'm sure like the others is registering and, and making sure to keep the breed true, but it is such a small group of people that you probably rely on a lot of volunteers to do the same job over and over. Can you tell us a little bit about the pros and cons of working with such a small association? Well, um, uh, we know, we, we know most of our owners and breeders. There's a few that we never meet and, um, and, um, and they know each other. So it's a, it's a, a small breed. You can know a lot of people and, um, um, we, uh, being a small registry, we are concerned about our genetics and, um, uh, one of the other cons is that we have less income to promote the Suffolk. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's, there's, there's pros and cons, you know, to being a small registry. Well, how has it changed? Has has the modern technology like the Facebook and the internet, has it changed from when you took over? I'm sure 
like most secretaries, when when you can visit with Betty Groves from the Clydesdale, she'll say it was in boxes. You know, I literally had paperwork in boxes and it was on my kitchen table. And and I'm assuming at the beginning you were the same way. It was all handwritten. But has technology come into play now? Yes, Betty and I joined um, as secretaries about the same time period. And um, uh, technology, you know, we went, we went from file cards and boxes to, and typewriters to file cabinets and um, databases, printers, email, cell phones, you know, websites and instant gratification. <laughs> Right. So, um, right. yes, it has changed. Uh, I remember Betty said um, they had their certificates. I don't know, sometime over the period, I, it wasn't during my tenure, but um, we had, um, oh, I think they're probably tw- 14 by 16 inch um, registration certificates, as did most of the large breeds. And um, mm-hmm. Betty and them were still using a wide carriage typewriter somewhere along yeah. the way we had already somebody had already made it shrunk it down to eight and a half to 11 so at least we could have a regular uh typewriter but it was all typewriters and, and card files and you know you typed it onto the file cards and then you typed it onto the typewriter and i mean onto the paper the certificate and then you double checked it against the the registration application so yes it was a little tedious and um <clears throat> But it got done, you know, it got done. And um, sure. we um, we have since gone to mandatory um, DNA for every horse registered now. So um, that's another step we have added to the registration process. So it takes a little longer because that has to be sent out. And uh, Right. So your so you're busy yeah, season, for, as a secretary, your busy season then is springtime when more of your foals are being registered then. Right. Um, now, I've noticed this year that a lot of our breeders are registering their foals before the end of the year. And I appreciate that because um, those foals usually come in like February, March. And um, but, but I've gotten a lot of registrations for ni- 1917 foals already they're done blood typed and registered so that's great so that that encourages me thinking that there's more coming (laughs) well where is the big concentration i i'm I'm, i mean we keep saying that you have 25 at your house but where would be the other big concentrations if somebody wanted to see the suffolk horses or or actually hands-on purchase some where are your bigger breeders at they're probably in the Midwest. Um, the, the most of the breeders are up that direction. Um, there's some in Virginia and some out out west, but most of the concentration of them are probably in the Midwest. Just and and in Western Canada, we had a big um, surge in Western Canada. So and and the what the Canadians do not have a registry. They register. They can register with the Ministry of Agriculture, but that's just mm-hmm. kind of like a like a like a birth certificate um, for the horses for the livestock, but um, but we do register because they don't have an association. We also register the Canadian horses, and I know the other See. registries have 
registries up there already, and so they they have to they have to uh, pass transfers, you know, transfer from one association to another. But since Canada doesn't have an official registry, then we we register all the horses in Canada as well. Wow, and I know that that once a year you have a gathering of your membership and not only to kind of share about horse stories, but to help educate your membership. And this year it is going to be held in the state of Virginia. So tell us a little bit about your meeting and, and what it actually means to your membership to gather and talk Suffolk horse. Okay. Well, ever we've usually, uh, before 1994, we just had meetings and, um, and, um, I'm not, I'm not 19, not 1994. I'm sorry. Um, since 1978, we've always had an annual meeting, um, in conjunction with what we call a gathering and a, a breeder hosts the gathering and they plan, um, we've done everything from move hog houses from one place to another horse drawn to um, raking hay, um, plowing, uh, digging potatoes, um, all sorts of activities during these gatherings. And then in the evenings, we have our meeting. And then we go back on Sunday and, you know, plow and potatoes again. So, uh, and it's a great to meet other breeders and owners and talk to them face-to-face and and put a face with a voice on the phone um, for them and for me. And um, it's um, a lot of times we'll have a, a foot award. Just depends on what the host wants to, how involved they want to get. Um, a lot of times we have a foot award and then we have a presentation award because we have one member that has always said, you know, some of them, some of the horses, they're, they're not just farm horses. You know, you need to dress them up and take them to town every once in a while. So, <laughs> and and so they, um, <laughs> so um, they give up the best groomed horse. You know, not besides the foot award, there's a presentation award where you don't have to, you know, put ribbons in their hair or anything, but clean halters and and nice feet and shiny feet and mm. good coat and and tail all combed and and then um, we have a parade of breeds. At one time, we had a um, uh, a, a fella that would all the breeds that were there. He he says these are all the horses that are going to be there. He says, can you give me the pedigree on them all? And I said, sure. So we I gave him the pedigrees, and he would talk about the pedigrees and how one was related to the other, and that was called our parade of breeds. And then um, hmm. we do have a little competition. Sometimes we have a Teamsters Award. And sometimes it's an optical course. It just depends on what the the host wants to do. And um, there were awards, you know, pre- presented to those people. And it just, it, it all depends on the host. And we had um, a couple of people that um, sponsored a presentation award and the, um, the Best Foot Award and the Teamster Award. But, um, and we had a traveling trophy for a while, but it traveled and never came home. And um, I have an old one here in the office that we filled up with the, um, I think it was the foot award. And um, 
But so that's, you know, the, the, the gatherings are a lot of fun. And as far as the one in Virginia, we know it's going to be some sort, it's going to, it's going to be, um, an annual Suffolk punch spectacular and it's hosted by the Southern Gathering group. So I don't know what they have planned. All that hasn't come out yet. And it is on October the 5th and the 6th. And um, so that that would be another place to go. There's um, plenty of hotels and stuff around. It's, it's near, near hotels. And um, so it should be fun. Absolutely. Always fun when you can get horse people together and good things always come out of that. Well, our congratulations to you for 40 years of helping with the breed and what a, what a great way to always be promoting the Suffolk horses and and these gatherings. Again, this is going to be held in Virginia, October 5th and 6th. So if we want to find more information about the Suffolk punch, the American Suffolk horse association, you can find them on the internet at www.suffolkpunch.com or Mary Margaret uh, Facebook. Are you involved with Facebook right now? No, we are not. No, we are not. No. So. Well, that's see, that's the next thing nope. you need to you need to get on that <laughs> Facebook. But we, again, we want to thank you so much for being a part of our show today and helping to to tell us more about the Suffolk Punch horse. And we hope, hope that you stay warm in Texas because the cold air is here to stay for a while. <laughs> I think so. I think so. All right. Have a great day. And and again, stay warm. Uh, Well, there you go. You know, how many, I wonder how, do you know off the top how many draft breeds there are? No. Tons. (laughs) and, and, And sometimes I feel bad because when I'm at the shows and I say, you know, the most dominant that we see in the show arena are the Belgians, Pertrin, Clydesdales, and Shires. But then you'll go to a show and there will be a Suffolk here or there. And and I did some shows down in Texas where the Suffolks are, you know, they outnumber some of the other breeds. Um, but then I've done shows in Oklahoma where the American creams are there. Um, you know, just when you think you got them all figured out, somebody somebody brings in a different breed for you. So right. there's, there's a horse. They always say there's a horse for everyone, but there truly is a breed for everyone. If you decide... What you want to do, I always tell people that it's like buying a car. What do you want to do with the car? Do you want to have a hot rod that you go to town and and, and look really good in in a hot rod? Or do you want a dependable work car? Or do you want a family car? It's kind of like buying a horse. What what do you want to fit into the needs that, you, that you're trying to accomplish with, with buying a horse? And the suffix are great. As she said, they're smaller. They're easier to throw the harness on. We've talked to loggers from the east coast to the midwest that do use the suffolk horses in in the woods because they're easier to maneuver around in in overgrown areas so you know like i said there's a horse for everybody out there sounds good why don't you tell us a little bit about the world clydesdale show coming up that's the other big event uh coming up in october I cannot believe the year is here. Like we said earlier, 2018 is going to be a spectacular year for our draft horse industry. The World Clydesdale Show is coming to the Alliant Energy Center in Madison, Wisconsin. It is just about 293 days away. And that sounds like a long time. But when you start ticking away everything that has to be accomplished and, and the goals that have to be met before the shows, it's going to be here. It's going to be, be, be here before we, 
they know it. Um, every few years when we have this World Clydesdale show, this year it is powered by the Chesapeake Petroleum. It is the crown jewel competition for our Clydesdale horse. The power, the beauty, the grace, it is a special spectacular event like no other that you're going to see the fan reaction takes the experience to a whole other level we are going to have the good folks from anheuser-busch the budweiser clydesdales will be there we're going to have some historic wagons on display and and as i said the event came back to madison this is going to be the third year that it, the third time that the world clydesdale show comes back to madison wisconsin but it is by far one of the most spectacular places to hold an equine event that, that you'll have a chance to see. Hotels are close, eating establishments are close, and the stalls, the barns that the horses are going to be in, just phenomenal. And then once you get into the Coliseum, you, I, I just can't even describe how spectacular it is. It is a great city to embrace our World Clydesdale show. Camping on site, if you want to bring your campers you can be there for all the activities but hotels are close as well the world clydesdale show is proud to welcome chesapeake petroleum as their official title sponsor and does it ever mean great things for the clydesdales we are excited to announce that an additional fifty thousand dollars in premiums have been pledged by chesapeake petroleum's victoria mccullough the breed's best will be on hand buying for those premiums in well over 100 different classes We'd love to see you there in Madison, and so would all of the Clydesdales. They love to be cheered on. Stay connected as more World Clydesdale Show details are confirmed and announced at their website, www.worldclydesdaleshow.com. It carries all the sponsorship information and all the opportunities, volunteer forms, vendor forms, and more. This website is enhanced with updates in all of the upcoming months right up until showtime. So, Mark. Mark your calendars for October 24th through the 28th, 2018. Make your plans, set your goals, and join us all in Madison, Wisconsin. And there's a few things coming up uh, in January around the country, too. Uh, in January 6th, we have the LaRue Horse and Tax Sale in LaRue, Ohio. That's coming up January 13th through the 15th, the Big Thunder Draft Horse Show in Loveland, Colorado. January 16th and 17th, back to the Pennsylvania Farm Show Building for the Pennsylvania Draft Horse Sale in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And January 18th to the 21st is a National Western Stock Show in Denver, Colorado, the one you were talking about where everybody's headed out uh, right there in Well, you would Denver. think that Jan... Yeah, but you would think January. There's not much I going know. on. Other than September and October, January is my busiest month. It's just, it's just crazy that the dedication, these exhibitors have to promote the draft horses and when we talk about these shows out in Colorado a good thing about that is more of the local the people that are showing on the west side of our country this is their local big show so it's nice to see some new faces out there but yet we do have those exhibitors it is a point show for the North American Classic Series and we all know how that those points are really close at the end on who goes to Oklahoma city to the final. So a lot of our exhibitors from the Midwest and the East are making that, that trip out there. The show in London, the uh, in Loveland is the big thunder draft horse show. <clears throat> they are limited on their space. So I believe this year we have 13, six horse hitches that are competing there. But when we move to Denver the next week, we're going to add a few more. And I, I think there's upwards towards 18, six horse hitches that are, that are going to be there. So, it, it's just amazing that our draft horse industry making that commitment to travel out into Colorado to do those shows back to back. So, and like I said, I'm leaving this afternoon, uh, 
out to Pennsylvania, that farm show. If any of our listeners are in that area, fight to find a parking spot, get on that bus and get delivered <laughs> to the farm show complex and, and, and come see the draft horses because it puts a spotlight on the Pennsylvania livestock and to see all the draft horses that are there that are owned by Pennsylvania exhibitors. It's, it's just a, it's just a great asset to the agriculture part of the great state of Pennsylvania. And of course, you don't forget about the Draft Horse Journal. They're the ones that make all of this happen every month here on Horses in the Morning. Lynn and the gang over there. If you don't have a copy of the Draft Horse Journal or you're not subscribed and you're interested in draft horses, then you should be. It's drafthorsejournal.com. Go over there and sign up for your subscription. I was just looking through my latest one that came last month. I was looking through that this morning. So drafthorsejournal.com. This episode would not exist without the hard work of everybody at the Draft Horse Journal. Visit Lisa at the Clydesdale store and more.com. And of course, you can find out more about today's guests at horsesinthemorning.com. If you want to, go to horsesinthemorning.com and just search in the search space there. Just search draft, and it'll bring up all the past episodes that we have done over number of years now. So definitely uh, take a look at that. You can also follow Horses in the Morning on Facebook. Just search for Horses in the Morning. Or you can get our app. It's free. Uh, just search for Horse Radio Network in the App Store, iOS or Android. You can listen live to this show on there or the recorded version, which comes out about an hour after. Plus, we have uh, 15, soon to be 17 other shows on the app that you can take a listen to. So uh, try that out as well. Uh, anything else, Lisa? Well, I just I just hope that everybody stays warm. We're all fighting our battles. You're cold at 21. Mary Margaret was cold at 32. I'm cold at 10. And we're all thankful we're not with Kevin up there at minus 30. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's just crazy. That's, just, that's not cold. You know, I think once you get past about minus 20, it all feels about the same, doesn't it? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's like really cold. You just pray your vehicle starts. Yes. You know, when you... That's that's your prayer of the morning. You go out and you turn that key, and when it goes, you're like, oh, please. And thankfully, our vehicles have all been starting. Well, thanks to our sponsors, too. The 2018 World Clyde Show, Shipshawana Harness and Supplies, the Clydesdale Store and More, the 2018 World Percheron Congress, and the Mid-America Draft Horse Sale. That's it for this month, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow with another Horses in the Morning for you. Jamie will be here. We'll be doing some really bad ads, so get those into Jennifer at HorseRadioNetwork.com. She said she needs a few for tomorrow's show, so definitely uh, get on Craigslist and look those up and get them in, and we'll have some prizes for you again this month with that. So thank you, everybody. Thank you, Lisa. Have fun in Pennsylvania. Thanks. Have a great day. 